Welcome to Dare to Dream. This is Debbie Dashinger. Pleasure to be here with you today. This show is sponsored by Dr. Dane Here at Access Consciousness. They do exquisite energy healing work out into the world. They've got courses. You can become a facilitator in any country. Go to Dr. Dane Here, H E R.com, and accessconsciousness.com. I'm Debbie Dashinger, and I teach business owners and coaches and entrepreneurs and speakers the time-effective action steps to write a highly engaging book. I turn every author's book into a guaranteed international bestseller, fully done for the author. And I also show my clients how they can book and schedule podcast interviews and get massive results. If you would like my gift to you, my videos and my templates about how you can be interviewed right now and what to provide and do, go to debbie-dashinger.com slash gift, D-E-B-B-I-D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R.com slash gift. This show, Dare to Dream, has been nominated for two People's Choice Podcast Awards, as well as a Webby Award. We're consistently ranked in all of self-improvement in the top podcasts in the USA country, as well as other countries. We are currently trending also in Belarus, in Uruguay, and St. Lucia. And so grateful to all of you for feeling the message and this number one transformation conversation. Today's show is a conversation on meditation for daily stress. We're going to be talking about an incredibly unique way, certainly that I've never heard about, of looking at the possibilities around meditation, a new way of meditation that does not require effort nor breath exercise. My guest today is Michelle Pascal, who is a transformation and spiritual multidimensional artist, meditation teacher, singer, composer, photographer, film director, and author. He's even co-authored a book with the Dalai Lama. All of what he does is dedicated to supporting underserved populations, including LA's hardened population of parolees. He's an author of 20 books on spirituality, including Meditation for Daily Stress, 10 Practices for Immediate Well-Being. He is the director of We Are Never Alone film, one of the solutions of the Never Alone movement for the suicide prevention and mental health. And as a singer, Pascal has performed his Medicine Voice concerts several times at Carnegie Hall in New York City, where he will again perform this year's Christmas concert. He has been singing with Famous musicians like Myron McKinley, music director of Earth, Wind & Fire, Verdine White, co-founder of Earth, Wind & Fire, Paul Pesco, Mark Ledford, who is the vocalist of the Pat Metheny Group, and many more. To find out more about Michelle Pascal, go to michellepascal.tv. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-P-A-S-C-A-L.tv. And with that, I welcome Michelle to Dare to Dream. Hi, it's great to have you. Thank you so much, Debbie. So happy to be with you and to all the people who love your show. Mm. I have to say that you really appreciate, I think God was either laughing or ordained something just because you were going to be on the show today. So this morning... We found out that our city, 
is going to be digging up all our driveways down the up and down the entire block. So they've got these massive machines, jackhammers and cranes digging. And the, the noise has been beyond all of a sudden just today, right? And on top of it, we have three dogs. We're all working from home. And I, we've got three dogs. So the dogs think this is a five-star alarm that there are people outside who could be a threat. So they're all barking. And I sat here this morning knowing you were coming on the show thinking, this is so bad. I think I have to reach out to Michelle's people and I need to reschedule. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. How hilarious. Michelle teaches like your premise of meditation is the ability to meditate, the importance of meditating in the midst of chaos. And so you brought the chaos just for the show to see what's possible. <laughs> How is that possible? Your uh, question is very important mm. because uh, if I ask what means meditation, to you or when I ask the question in America, everyone reply, oh, this is meditation. So when you compare this cliche and if you want to know uh, what is the etymology of meditation, this is what I learned in my monastery, for example. What is the Tibetan etymology of the word meditation? It doesn't mean at all the, the, the cliché, etc. No. Meditation, it means exactly I train my mind in my daily life. And we can adapt today and we can say I train my mind in my daily stressful life. So this is the authenticity of meditation. How to calm my mind in the chaos, not far from the chaos of my life. Because as you know, Debbie, our world is in a huge chaos. So it's a world phenomenon. So how can we be quiet? How can we train our mind in the stressful situation? This is the authenticity of meditation. Let's develop more. If you go to calm your mind, in a quiet place. This is beautiful. This is a sort of relaxation. It's like you go in holidays. But when you go back to your stressful life, it's the same when you go back after your holidays at home. After one or two days, you lose your tan, you are stressed again, you lose the benefit of the holidays. This is the same if you go far from your stress to be quiet in a quiet place it's easy and you don't progress but when you go back to your stressful life you are stressed again i remember one day i was in a mountain view at google in california and one of the big managers said to me michel we have a question we pay a lot of uh, beautiful yoga studio, uh, amazing uh, swimming pool, fitness for our employers. They love that. But when they go back to the desk, to the office, they are stressed again. How can you explain that? 
And I say to this manager at Google, your question is your answer. Because of course, if you go far from your stress to calm your mind, when you go back to the stressful situation, you create a sort of spiritual depression. Poof, it's a sort of depression. So it means that you create an up and down. So a sort of roller coaster like that. And you print in your brain, there is a place I can be quiet, my yoga studio, my beach, and there is a place, oh my gosh, I am so stressed. So to think like that about meditation, this is a wrong perception of meditation. Meditation in an authentic uh, Tibetan Buddhist way doesn't mean at all that. And what I say to you, maybe it's not my opinion. It what say my Rinpoche, it was what say his Rinpoche, it is what say all the Tibetan masters since 3000 years. So this is the reason why we need to calm our mind in the chaos of our life. Your situation this morning, it is a perfect example. Now, my question, me, was uh, how can we calm the mind in the chaos, but with no effort? Yes, I, I say no effort. This is a main question because, uh, you know, we live in a world very, very uh, difficult. So when we ask to someone to calm the mind in the chaos, this is very difficult. For example, I, I will share with you many times what the prisoners of Los Angeles, they say to me. They say, Michel, if you say to us as a prisoner, take a deep breath, be focused on your breath, be mindful. They say, if you say that to us, you are not respectful. You don't realize our life is difficult. Just to copy paste an old map in our world. And I replied to the prisoners, this is exactly this new approach of meditation that I develop with you today. I mean, our world has changed. If we have no money problem or not too much, if we have time, if we have not a lot of problem in our life, for sure, we can train our mind by ourselves. Me, I come from a family very violent. So I was born in Paris, raised in Paris, and my family was very, very violent. So when I was a child, I was scared. Mm and I was under my bed and uh, I was unable to calm my mind by myself. So close my home, there is a church and I start to go at the church. And just when I enter in the church, I felt the peace, the calming energy. And when I was a child, I realized there is no life without peace. And I realized that I was not able to calm me by myself, but I must be tuned on a calming vibration with no effort. 
when you are a child baby my daddy punched me two three times per week during 15 years you cannot say oh i must meditate that makes no sense but i realized when i was a child that just the fact i enter in this simple church and i don't talk about religion i don't talk about god i i I love the church when the church was empty. But I felt peace. And in one second, whew, I was like that. So this experience was my first experience with meditation. My first experience with peace. And this is that I have developed year after year. So with the prisoners of LA, for example, I never ask any effort. Again, everyone has his own way of meditation. Right? You know, there are different approaches and every approach is good. Every approach is good. Just me, I was uh, interested for my case at the beginning when we are unable to meditate. I am unable to be concentrated. When you are abused during 15 years, you are unable to make an effort. And so I give my life every day to population underdeserved. I teach for the kids, gang members, for police officers, for firemen, uh, for uh, doctors, also for celebrities. A celebrity is unable to be concentrated. It's not possible. So the most important for me was how to calm our mind without effort no effort, no concentration. In, in meditation, many times experts ask to us what we are unable to do, to be focused. I'm sorry, I cannot be focused on my breath. I have too much problem in my life. I cannot. This is uh, exactly the angle of our new approach of meditation. Thank you for sharing about your upbringing that's very profound because it just shows you really intimately understand what it's like to be in that state at a young age. And it's very true about the world we live in right now. It's so interesting. So I wanna go back to this idea. You know, this is why I was initially attracted to you. So funny how connected you and I are between the people we know intimately in the transformation world. And then as it turns out, you work with my brother and sister-in-law. And I didn't know any of this before I started to notice you and see, here is Michelle Pascal. He is meditating in New York City, Times Square, like the cacophony there alone. And you kept bringing up all these examples of when to meditate. There was a great, also an Instagram folks, Get get his uh, be on his Instagram because you'll get the greatest little videos. There was a great video of you being a very calm and peaceful space, and you could feel it emanating through the video. And you had these two tall husky fellows, you know, being very chaotic and talking at you, and you just maintained your energy of peace. And so this is what you show. I've never heard this before. This is so brilliant. And so here. God laughed. God brought in all these crazy machines outside to be digging on this day and the dogs yelling. 
And I found peace. As soon as I recognized the hilarity in that and you coming on, I had peace. And I said, it is so perfect and beautiful. Thank you. And then I also had gratitude and said, oh, and thank you that the city cares so much about where I live that they are completely redoing. We don't even have potholes and they're completely redoing and beautifying the streets. So I had all this gratitude. And so naturally it has gotten quiet outside. Honestly, just the moment we began. <laughs> just to, to go back about what you say, Debbie, you say it's very new. In Tibetan Buddhism, it's not new at all. Mm. No. What it's okay. new for you is the authenticity. Mm. But sorry to say that. What I repeat to you today, to calm the mind in a stressful situation, this is what said all the Tibetan masters since 3,000 years ago. It's not my opinion. Just I repeat to you the teachings that I have received from my Rinpoche, from his Rinpoche, like a lineage. So authenticity seems new in America. I was surprised when I came from Nepal to LA because everyone say, oh, Michel, it's very new to meditate in the stress. But for me, it was not new. And since 3,000 years, it's not new. It's what's repeat every Tibetan master, every day. What is new, this is the authenticity of the teaching. For sure, it's new. Because the cliche of meditation, it's when you are in a lotus position, in a resort, with a machati on the beach, whenever. So, of course, it's not meditation. It's a blablatation. It's blabla. It's blablatation. Huh? Blabla, it's something not efficient. I invite you to go in a resort uh, to try to imitate a monk. And when you go back to your stressful life, you are stressed immediately a few minutes after. So it's a blabla, it's blablatation. So the thing is uh, to calm the mind in the stressful situation, this is the awakening. The awakening, it is not to be in a levitation space. No, the awakening, it's when we are in Times Square, for example, with your brother, David. I guide the meditation uh, for David, with David, in Times Square, a few weeks ago. And when you feel the peace in the middle of the chaos, really, David, I invite you to live this experience. It's a revelation for your life. You say, yes, we can. Oh, I can be quiet. I can be like a mountain in the middle of the storm. Make the experience to be quiet in a conflict, for example. Oh, what an awakening. Uh, I train Uber drivers, for example. What do we do? We go at the rush hour on the freeway. So the Uber driver drives, and I am close to him or to her, to guide a meditation to upgrade the concentration of the driver. And after one or two times, the brain of the Uber driver has understood the brain understands, I will be quiet in the traffic. So we change the perception of the traffic. We change the perception of Times Square. 
we change the, perfect, the perception of a gel. All is in our mind. So when we realize that this is the awakening, the miracle of our life. Wow. I viscerally, I just had this huge feeling physically when you talked about what you did in Times Square. And, you know, yesterday I had a very interesting experience. I was running late to get to an appointment and I was feeling a lot of stress getting there and embarrassment because I was going to be late. And I, I really acknowledged to myself, I do this. I do this periodically, not everywhere in my life, but I do this enough that it creates stress. So it's self-created stress. I was hearkening back to what it was like for me growing up. Very, very, very chaotic household. Um, a lot of fear, a lot of anger, a lot of misplaced responsibility, some, some level of insanity for sure. And that this was my way of recapitulating that experience, that chaos within myself and the way I was manifesting it was by choosing on some level to be late and then all the subsequent things that happened. So I got so clear. First of all, I forgave myself uh, with acknowledging that. And then I got so clear how much I wanted to release it. And so in hearing what you're saying, I, I can realize that this induced calm everywhere holds a lot of possibilities. So I'd like you to go into that for people who are in gangs, who have addiction, who are in prisons, or have experiences like what I just described or otherwise, where the stress comes or through work or through family, et cetera. How can we set ourselves up? What is the technique for us to go there? First, uh, again, let's go back to the authenticity. Uh, as uh, my Rinpoche, Chepadorje Rinpoche said to me, and as Chatral Rinpoche said, Dilgo Kienze Rinpoche, Dujon Rinpoche, Kalu Rinpoche, so all, all the Tibetan masters, they explain many times that meditation, it's more than a technique. It's a transmission of energy. So, because uh, how does it work? Again, we cannot calm the mind by yourself. So we need to be tuned. We need to be guided by a meditation teacher, but this teacher must be very quiet. So when I guide a meditation in, in Times Square, for example, for David, your brother, or when I guide a meditation for lifers, you know, prisoner incarcerated for life, Immediately, when we start to guide the meditation, oof, the person releases the tension. Oof. The hoof, this is the key. Because we know in neuroscience, when we put electrode on the brain, we know at the moment you release your tension, you upgrade the serotonin, the hormone of the well-being. And like that, you become addicted to the serotonin. Every emotion, it's an addiction, a neurochemical addiction. So when you have the 
Ouf, you release, you feel all the serotonin in your body. As you know, as Deepak explained all the time, every cell is connected to the brain, like electric circuit. So, oof, you release. At the moment you have this hoof, you become addicted to the peace. And I will say it's a sort of cognitive re-education. You re-educate your brain, and especially in a stressful situation. So at the moment, for example, David comes with me in Times Square, and I guide for one of our practice, meditate like a mountain. Ah, David immediately feels more quiet. So it means if we put electrode on the brain of David, that he upgrades his serotonin, he becomes addicted to the serotonin. And as he said to me, now every time I go to Times Square, I have another perception of Times Square. This is the same for a prisoner. So the same for an Uber driver, the same for every people. So like that, we re-educate the neurochemical system of the person. And I can share with you, Debbie, probably one of the most exceptional results of America that we have uh, on the prisoners at Amity Foundation in downtown LA. Amity, this is the, one of the biggest foundations for the reinsertion of the prisoner. So we have a prisoner, parolees, and lifers. Since five years, we have zero suicide. Since five years, we developed this program. There is zero suicide. And prisoners, this is the population, the most affected, of course, by trauma, depression, addiction, suicide. They are extremely affected by that. We have zero suicide. So this result is absolutely incredible. It means that the program at Amity works. And I will say to you that it's crazy to realize that the prisoners, the homeless, uh, the, the poorest people of Los Angeles today are the pioneers of a new spiritual time. They are pioneers. They prove that it works. So um, I develop also the program for the US Army, for the VA in San Diego. Uh, I will go to John Hopkins uh, University in Baltimore. They asked me to come to explain the result of the zero suicide and how is it possible. Of course, I mean, it's a holistic therapeutic approach at Amity. Huh? We have uh, yoga, nutrition, coaching, motivation. It's a fantastic program. But our meditation uh, This is one of the favorite activities of the prisoners. So this is the reason why also with David and Tamara, we decide to create Mental Help. Mental Help, it's a program by video, very broadcast, that we will share to the internal TV of jail or shelters or hospital in many, uh, uh, you know, uh, prison, they have internal TV. So we will share, we will offer many, many videos to the prisoner, to women abused in the shelters, to doctors in hospital everywhere in many countries 
in English and in Spanish, uh, in Guatemala, Salvador, Nicaragua, London also, uh, because we want to expand this amazing result that we have. You, you know probably the uh, crime in Los Angeles since COVID plus 400%, 400%. Homeless plus 26%. It's uh, suicide, as you know. This is the biggest taboo of America. Uh, the, the second causality of death from 10 years old to 34 years old. So in the difficulty of our world, the result, the hope, comes from the poorest people of Los Angeles, the prisoners, the homeless. They are our heroes. They are our spiritual teacher. Because, again, it is a thing to study uh, depression, to, to, to make data, to make research. It's beautiful. But it's another thing when we have zero suicide on the population, the most affected by depression. You likened, you likened meditation to shamanism and talked about how it was related to Tibetan shamanism. Can you go into that a little bit more? Uh, because I talk a lot about shamanism and that world on this show. And so that came as a great surprise to hear you mention that. I have the, so the, the blessing eh, since 23 years, 24 years to work uh, with my friend Navarro Apache, uh, my friend Shumash in California and uh, in Buddhism. So my school uh, is Nigmapa. Nigma comes from Padman Sambhava, but uh, Nigma comes also from Bun. Burn tradition was before the story of the Dalai Lama. This is the Tibetan uh, shamanism. So when you compare Tibetan shamanism and uh, Navarro tradition, Shumash tradition, Inuit tradition, there is a lot of uh, correspondence, a lot of correspondence. How to use the stones, how to use the element. It's shamanism before was a universal language. Of course, when we come from a, a monastic life, when we have took refuge, this is my case, hein? I have pronounced my vows and I took refuge in Buddhism, in a lineage, uh, the teaching that we receive, for example, about shamanism is uh, very uh, different than the usual uh, information that we have about shamanism in our world. To give an example, very concrete, uh, in an authentic shamanic uh, way, like in burn tradition, no Rinpoche, no Rinpoche will say, I am a healer. No, no, no Rinpoche. In, um, in LA, when I came in LA, as I say to you, I was surprised everyone said, I am a healer. Yeah, I am a healer, I am a shaman. Me, I say nothing, but I know, and I remember what teach me my Rinpoche. Rinpoche said to me, Michel, when someone starts to say to you, I am a healer, you can say, yes, bye-bye, and you move. Because the person, if the person say that, the person develops a spiritual ego. So the person can have capacities, but the person develops a spiritual ego. 
So it means that the person developed perturbation in the magnetic fields uh, around him or herself. So this is the reason why in an authentic Tibetan shamanic way, bone tradition, no Rinpoche will say, I am a healer, I am a shaman. The fake say, I am a, I am a shaman. The authentic never say that. You have the same uh, for Navarro and Apache. I remember one day my friend Navarro, they brought me in Flagstaff at the post office. And they say, Michel, take a look. There is an old map, his stamp on envelope. He was a little old guy with glasses and his stamp envelope. They say to me, Michel, this guy is the most important authority of the Navarro people. And you cannot imagine a simple old guy with his little glasses stamp, no. But in Flagstaff, you have a lot of people. Oh, I am a shaman, I am a healer. So just, we could develop more. I have, uh, it's not a conference, I could develop more. I do that in a retreat. Uh, but just for example, when we talk about shamanism, it's like when we talk about reincarnation or when we talk about meditation, when you compare the authenticity of the teaching and the poverty that we have in America, the difference is huge, huge. Uh, if we talk about uh, uh, reincarnation, for example, you will be surprised, but the word reincarnation doesn't exist in Tibetan. No, the word reincarnation was created by the Jesuit priest when they came to observe the Tibetan people. And they wrote, oh, Tibetan people, they believe in reincarnation. First, in Buddhism, there is no belief system. First, there is no belief. So when the Jesuit priest says they believe in, there is no belief system. Second, the word reincarnation doesn't exist. The, we cannot translate the concept. The only way to talk about that is to talk about science, to talk about physics quantum, the continuity of the energy. And every energy has a memory. So the teaching of reincarnation, for example, uh, is extremely complex, fascinating. It's like a science. So it's the same uh, in Tibetan shamanism. It's an incredible science, but the difficulty that we have in our world, it's very difficult to have access to the authenticity in spirituality. It's very, very difficult. Because first in shamanism, uh, the fake, they talk a lot for sure, <laughs> but the authentic, they refuse to talk. They protect the acknowledge. They don't, they don't want to talk. I, I remember in my monastery uh, in Kathmandu, many American people came the Saturday morning, the monastery was open to the public. And they say to the abbot of uh, my monastery, oh, I know my reincarnation. I was a prince. I was an amazing doctor, an amazing artist. And just the abbot many times say, it's funny, Michel, listen. They never say I was homeless. I was prisoner. I was a terrible person. No, no, they project, they project, they project all the time. So I remember just he said to the, oh, but if you know your reincarnation is good, just he replied that because he didn't want to develop the nectar of the teaching. When uh, 
when we are in a retreat in Hawaii, um, we have time to develop. So uh, if you are interested by authentic shamanism, because you must know this is the same teaching in Tibetan, for example, uh, with the lava stone uh, that we can find in Hawaii. Uh, is, uh, the teaching about how to use stones or how to to meditate like a mountain, for example, or how to uh, meditate with the fire energy, etc. Uh, this teaching is very, very fascinating. So um, when we are in a retreat, I have time for that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, just the idea of meditating like a mountain has really a profound effect just to hear, to step into that energy. I want to also bring up the fact that you're an exquisite singer. Uh, you're called a transformational meditation singer and only one of a handful in the whole world. So you've got this voice that offers these guided visualizations and they create a really deep healing experience. You've performed these cosmic medieval Melodies at Carnegie Hall. You've sung here in LA at Agape for Michael Bernard Beckwith, also with Deepak Chopra at his event, and other impressive musical people like Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I've heard your recordings and seen your videos. It definitely is a gift from God. Can you talk a little bit about your vocal gift? Where did that come from, and how did you discover it? As I said to you, I have the the blessing uh, to be abused during many years by uh, domestic violence. So for me to sing when I was so young, eight years, nine years, was uh, the idea to create my monastery, mm. my inner monastery. Mm. To sing in Navarro tradition, to sing means to pray. So this is the same word. Huh? Uh, in Navarro language, uh, the medicine men, they say to sing it's to pray, same word. So when we sing, we shift the vibration inside of us. And uh, after I, I start to sing on stage, I was nine years old. And in France, I became professional singer at 16. And uh, when I was around uh, 27, 28, I have the blessing that uh, Mark Ledford, the famous vocalist of Pat Metheny, listened to me and he said, oh, Michel, come with me in New York. So Mark present to me uh, with a lot of exceptional musicians, uh, exceptional jazz men, and I start to sing like that in New York. And um, today, as you know, I have the blessing to sing with uh, Myron McKinley, the music director of Earth, Wind and Fire. Myron is uh, my music director. And uh, we perform at Carnegie Hall every year together. And it will be the case again uh, this year. But, but I can sing for you now. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. To sing, it's to pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Let's, oh, that's divine. Thank you of course. for agreeing be, even before the question came out of my mouth. I will sing for you, Omani Padmeum. You know, Omani Padmeum it, in Tibetan. It's an amazing prayer. It means, may all I can say today, may all I can do today, full of love, full of love. 
in any situation. And I would say, especially when life is difficult. It's like, you know, the prayer of Saint Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Humani Pemeum, it's the brother sister prayer of Saint Francis. Deeply moved. Thank you, Debbie. Deeply moved. Wow. That was so heart moving and beautiful. Mm, thank you for that gift. Are you ever nervous before performing with these no. big people and huge venues? No, never of what? Because you are like a mountain? No, because. Be nervous, it's an addiction. There is no sense to be nervous of what? We will die. Nothing exists. All is a mental projection to be worried about what? No, we are, instead of to lose our energy to be worried, we need to offer our energy to let God sing through us. This is different. When, when we are afraid, it's because we, we feed our ego. Oh, what people do we, do people we love the show? Do we love me? Oh, blah, blah. We are, we stay at the stupid ego level. When we go to sing, just we open our hand and that's it. So nervous about what? When we deeply understand that we are okay, there is no problem. There is no fear, there is no panic. There is... All these emotions are mental poison. It's a mental poison. And this poison comes from ignorance because uh, we, th we don't realize how we lose our life in a stupid addiction of fears. Every emotion, it's an addiction. So instead of to be addicted to be stupid, 
it's more intelligent to be addicted, to be happy, no? Yes. <laughs> Better not to be ignorant and stupid at all, <laughs> or addicted. And what else do you sing? What do you sing with Earth, Wind, wind and Fire? Where it's do your funny, songs come it's from? It's funny because, so I, I compose uh, most of my music, but um, um, for Christmas Eve, for example, I sing a lot of cover of Christmas, a lot of... Uh, very beautiful melody like Smile from Charlie Chaplin. Uh, but I try to create a new style of cover uh, with, uh, to use my voice as an instrument. And uh, it's very important to, to realize that when we sing, it's a, it must be unforgettable. Each note must be unforgettable. To sing, it's a responsibility. Two days ago, I was giving a concert at Amity Foundation with the prisoners, or we can give a concert at Carnegie Hall. This is the same. But as a joke, at the end of the show, we finish by September. I make a cover of September with Myron McKinley. And it was amazing to see all the prisoners jumping, dancing. We create a sort of new version of September with Myron. Because when the prisoners, they saw Myron, they say, please play September. So Myron start and I start to sing and we create a, a new version of September. Very special, very special version. <laughs> I don't hear you, Debbie. What you say? Sorry. Are these things videotaped when you perform? Uh, yes, we have filmed the, the concert with uh, one or two simple camera. Uh, we will uh, edit and I will post some extract of that. Yes, for sure. For Beautiful. Sure. But when I give retreat uh, in Hawaii, or I give retreat, as you know, uh, in Los Angeles, uh, in Malibu, I give retreat at Serra Monastery. So Serra Monastery uh, become my place in LA where people, I can meet people and we can have a retreat day in a monastery. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a Franciscan monastery. So they are very open to everyone. Mm. Uh, you know, huh? Franciscan means hospitality, means to be kind. And I love in the library uh, in the shop, they sell a lot of Buddhist books. It's beautiful to see how uh, Franciscan priests are very open to everyone. And, uh, but for sure, when we spend a day in a monastery, uh, I develop the practice of the mountain. So um, the practice of the mountain, maybe you will be surprised, but it comes from the time of Jesus. Mm. Yes, it was what we name in Orthodox tradition, the, the meditation of Jesus. So I explain based on historical proof, uh, what we name ezikasm in Orthodox Christianity. Ezikasm was a way of meditation created from the time of Jesus. And the first practice, this is to meditate like a mountain. So this is very shamanic because to meditate like a mountain means to be more grounded, to be reconnected to the earth element. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are stressed, we feel alone. When we calm the mind, when we are like a mountain, we never feel alone. 
we don't feel alone. We are reconnected to the elements. We are reconnected to uh, the people of the stones. Uh, you know, in shamanism, we don't say the stones. We say the people of the stone, or the people of the trees, the people of the flowers. And we consider every stone not like a thing, but like a person. So with an energy, with a story, with a character, etc., etc. So um, when we meditate like a mountain, this is very, very ancient. So I take time in a retreat to explain the origin of this meditation. And after we practice uh, in the monastery, facing the mountain of Malibu with the ocean, it's incredibly beautiful. And we practice like a mountain. And after, I give a concert in the beautiful chapel of the monastery. So I sing some Ave Maria or some Humani Padmeum a cappella. And this church is incredibly beautiful. At 360 degrees, you have the view on the ocean. Mm. It is so, so beautiful. And when is this? When is Malibu? Uh, the next retreat is uh, all is sold out except July 18. July 18, we have uh, two seats left, two, three seats left, I think. So you can contact me uh, on my Instagram, Michelle Meditates, and I will connect you to my team and they can take care of you, of course. I know that some other things you talk about, and they're in your books too, should people want to dive into the books and or work with you is also meditating like a horizon, meditating like a dolphin, which sounds pretty glorious, like a wave, meditating like a kiss. How, how, so meditating like a kiss helps you feel less stress in a romantic situation? Of course. It's a special visualization that we do when we meditate like a kiss to breathe in our heart all our love and to send our kiss, to send our good energy to someone that we love, but also to some people that we don't love. And also to send our love to a flower, to a child who suffers, to a star in the sky, to the universe. It's an incredible practice with no expectation. When we start to make a practice with an expectation, we stay at our ego. Oh, I want to be a healer. I want to help you. I want to save you. No, 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 no. An authentic practice has no expectation. It's like when we say we become like a rose gives our perfume without reason. That's it. Michelle, this is Dare to Dream. What do you next dare to dream? What are your future dreams and goals? For me, this question doesn't exist uh, because uh, every second is a dream. Uh, when I say it's a dream, I will reply to you through neuroscience. And uh, you know that when I see you through this computer, at the first perception, my brain doesn't know it is a computer. Two milliseconds after, my brain recognizes it's a computer. So everything that I can see when I see you, it's a mental projection. 
So we live all time with a perpetual mental projection. And as we explain in the Tibetan shamanic tradition, the yoga of dream that I teach in Hawaii, all what we see is a dream. There is no difference between uh, to dream and to be wake up. This is the same way in the brain. So all is a mental perception. So my hope is just to be present now with you, Debbie, to, to be kind with you, to, to try to take care of every person who will watch your show. This is my only dream. To be more alive, this is my dream. Mm. Guru Rinpoche, you've said your Tibetan lineage, Buddhist lineage, it goes all the way back to the 8th century. Can you elaborate on that? Padma Sambhava, uh, as a, what we name in Buddhism, the, the realization. The realization means he was in a Parping, it's a little town in Nepal, and in a small cave around the 8th, 9th century, suddenly he realized what I just explained to you, what, what science proved today, he realized at the 8th century that nothing exists. All is a perpetual mental projection. So when you start to realize that, wow, it changed your life. So after from Nepal, he came to Tibet. He has a lot of disciples, disciples, disciples. And uh, my Rinpoche, Chepadorje Rinpoche, was also the last descendant of Marpa. Marpa, uh, if you know Buddhism, was the first disciple of the Buddha who wrote the teaching, the sutra. So... Uh, Chepa Dorje Rinpoche was his last descendant. And uh, I met Chepa Dorje Rinpoche in Paris. He was my Rinpoche in France. And I have the blessing to be close to him during uh, 13, 15 years, something like that. And he passed away, but he's uh, present in my heart every second. There is no one minute in my life I don't feel his presence. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's Thank really you, Debbie. And here's to more in the future. And for folks who would like to follow Michelle Pascal, if you would like to go to his Instagram and you can follow him there and see all his offerings and great videos, it's Michelle Meditates, M-I-C-H-E-L, Meditates. And his website is Michelle Pascal, P-A-S-C-A-L dot TV. I end today's show with this quote from the Dalai Lama. If every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. Subscribe to this number one transformation conversation, Dear to Dream. My guest next week is Scarlett Raven. She's back on the show for a third time. She's a listener favorite. And she's an intuitive guide, powerful entrepreneur. Scarlett has a new book out and new information about being a Starseed channel. She's going to be sharing wisdom and healing suggestions for the audience. If you love the podcast and you want to see what we look like, it's really worth it. Go to YouTube and subscribe there. It's youtube.com slash Debbie Dashinger. Thank you for all your comments. I read them all on behalf of myself and every guest. We're very grateful that you're so engaged and we do appreciate hearing 
from you. And remember folks, don't just dare to dream, dare to turn all your dreams into your reality and meditate like a mountain. <laughs>